Hello friends, this is the farmhouse's version of the Advent experience. We take Advent very seriously here, and today we get into a lot of details of why there's so much value that comes from the season that has been done for centuries. And uh, we're trying to really hold on to that value and reimagine what that might look like in, in a modern setting. So uh, we started with our barn stations, which is uh, something we just invite people to do on their own. Last week we did darkness and absence, and then this week it gets into waiting and tension. And the hope today is that we'll figure out how we move from the darkness and absence once we've entered that, and, and where things need to start going and how they will go there. So uh, we, we tell some stories and we get into some images, and then there's an interview um, where we get in some more details about Advent as a whole, and specifically what we do this week. Um, there's so much about this season that has to be encountered up close and in person, but hopefully this gives a sense of what we do when we're in our barn together. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming up this next week, uh, Shared Resources Day, which is a way to reimagine Christmas shopping in a way that embraces communal interaction um, and embraces minimalism, it embraces giving things away, it, it embraces uh, trying to deny consumerism, it's thrown in our culture. Um, so that's this week on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and on Friday. We also have Farmhouse Sabbath in our barn, which is sort of the height of um, what we do in our community here. Um, you can find more information about us online at thefarmhouse.live, or you can find us on Facebook at The Farmhouse. And uh, we're looking forward to entering into January and getting into some great content. And we've got some uh, changes that we're, we're hoping are going to happen here in the new year. So enjoy this section of Advent and... Um, we're looking forward to watching this story culminate on Christmas Eve, in which we've got a great way to make the transition planned. What Advent is and what this experience is like. And there's this progression in the book of Exodus that explains this well. Israel is a tribe that has been forced into slavery. They were promised these great hopes about what they were going to be in the world, and yet they're slaves. But in Exodus chapter 6, something happens. God shows up. God comes to Israel and speaks words of promise that God is actually going to do the thing they've been hoping God is going to do. But then if you keep reading Exodus, you realize that nothing happens. Get to Exodus chapter 7. Nothing happens. Exodus chapter 8 and 9 and 10. Well, it actually gets worse. They have these plagues that just bombard their existence. And while there's some hope in the plagues, there's also a sense that this is not going very well. And then you get to Exodus chapter 14 and Exodus chapter 15. And while they're finally out of Egypt at this point, they still don't have these promises that God told them was going to happen back in Exodus 6. Here's what this shows us. That there's the promise, and then there's the fulfillment of the promise. This is what Advent is all about. There's this space between the promises. There's this space between the start of something and when that will culminate. And during Advent, what we do is we enter the space. We enter the space between. We have to feel that ache 
We have to feel that longing. We have to feel this looming expectation of how this world exists. And so we're halfway through the season. And in that, we need to be reminded of this space. Good morning, everybody. All right, I got a couple things I need to take care of up here. Um, Becky, you got a timer? Where are you? You got a timer for me? Keep track of this. All right. Um, any any children who would like a candy cane? We're just giving them out up here. Uh, these these are actually my favorite kind. You people with your peppermints, it's no good. If you're going candy canes, you got to go cherry. They're the best one. Okay. Round of applause. Yes. All right. Uh, here's the deal, though. Um, I'll give you each one. If, uh, if you want to go ahead and eat it, you can. Um, but if you wait till I'm done with this segment, I'm going to tell a story. And if you wait till I'm done with the story and you haven't opened your candy cane yet, I'll give you two. So you decide what you want to do. And anybody who waits, I'll call you back up here in a bit. And if you, if you didn't eat your candy cane yet, you'll get another candy cane. It's a good deal, huh? Okay. All right, so uh, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So every year um, I make the road trip from uh, Metamora, Ohio down to Anna Maria Island in Florida. Any Anna Maria fans? Been there a couple of, Mrs. Herrick, you, you're usually there around the same time we are. Um, there's some heritage of this uh, trip in my family, and so I'm, I make this drive every year. A lot of you are familiar with the drive from Northwest Ohio down to Florida. Um, there's something that I've noticed that happens <clears throat> on this drive. And my experience is that as you're still rather close to your origin, uh, the, the place that you began your trip, your way of tracking your progress is by how far you've made it, what you've finished so far on the trip. And so you get to Cincinnati and, okay, I've gone this many hours um, and uh, I've been this many miles. And then you get to Lexington and then you get to Knoxville and then Chattanooga and then you get to Atlanta um, and then you get through Atlanta, which is its own road trip in itself. And then I've noticed that when you get to the other side of Atlanta, for me, my perspective shifts where I'm no longer keeping track of my progress based on where I've gone, it's now me looking forward to what I have left. Now, I'm a lot closer to my destination than when I started, but now I'm actually more aware, I have this heightened awareness of where I haven't been yet, what's left in the trip, where before I was focused on what parts I had completed and finished on my way down. What I think happens here is as you move through an experience, at the beginning, your focus is on what's been completed. And the closer you get to a destination, you become more aware of what's not yet finished. And so you can see how far you've come once you get past Atlanta. You can see how far you've come and the progress that's been made. And, and at the same time, you're very focused on what you have to do to complete this trip. Now, today is 
God at Sunday, which uh, is just a word that means joy. So joy Sunday around here at the farmhouse. I like to call it tension Sunday for my own reasons. Um, But what I think happens today is that we're able to stop and recognize how far we've come. And you can look at this from your individual life, like through your story. Look how far you've come. You don't wear infant clothing anymore. You've made progress and all sorts of other changes that have, have come with your life. Or you can look in the scope of history, right? Look back over history to see the progress that we've made, right? Or you can look at this just through the lens of Advent, that we've made some progress. We're almost halfway done with the season, we're, right? We're, we're closer to Christmas than we were just a week ago or two weeks ago. And yet, while we pay attention to the progress we've made, what happens on God that Sunday is we also become aware of the incompleteness of our lives in the world, of what we have yet to finish. And so what's going to happen by the end of today is you will have three of these five candles lit. That's progress. That's more light than there has been yet. But what will also happen is it will be very clear which candles are not lit. The, the, The absence of light there will almost stand out in the midst of all the other candles around us. I think our invitation then today is to pay attention to our progress, to celebrate with joy, because it's a Godette, how far we've come, but also let today speak to what is left, what is unfinished, what still needs to happen on the journey that we are on. My hope is that what we will do is we will set our eyes on a goal today, and we will look back and say, look what we've done, that should give us hope, but also this is the part that we need to also pay attention to. This is, this is important. And, and what a good metaphor for us might be is right here. Is this bread finished? How long has it been in, Becky? What do we got? What are we on time? It's been in for seven minutes. Is the bread finished? It's not. Is the bread still completely raw? No. It's made a little bit of progress. But there's still a lot that has to go till it's complete. That's where we sit, as it is with us in our world. We've made some progress. Okay, it's been going a little bit, but there's still a lot of room to grow. There's still a lot of things that need confronted. There's still a lot of movement that has to happen in the world. And this is where it's important to understand that the first Christmas did not finish the story. The first Christmas started something. The first Christmas, the the birth of Messiah, can be compared to me putting the bread in the oven. It started. We're still on the journey of that being continued. And so today we enter into that tension. And and what I think this reveals to us is that there's a process here. You want to make progress in the world, there's a process. And the thing we have to understand about this process, it it is hard and it happens slowly. And it will involve lots of waiting and lots of tension as you sit in between the things that still need to happen within the world. And so uh, let's use this opportunity. Set our eyes on the goal. Uh, Understand that if you want to make some changes in your life, if you think the world needs to make some changes, just be prepared that we have to pay attention to the process at hand, that we're on a journey. And if we set our intentions well, if we look at that destination, we will be more likely to get there because of what happens to us when we wait well, when we go through the process well, so that's what we're going to explore today. Uh, kids, did anybody not eat their candy cane? Who did not eat their candy cane? 
Come on up. Waiting is hard, but you did it. And you have been vastly rewarded. You have doubled your, the amount of candy canes you walked in here with. Does anybody else want a candy cane? Come on up. There's like an electric fence here. I can't walk off this. Does anybody else want a candy cane? So Noah is going to <laughs> take over now and alleviate me of such comments. Um, Noah is going to play this song um, that he, he played it last week, but this song is such a beautiful Advent song. It's not quite a Christmas song. It's a beautiful Advent song. And what I, what I want to invite you to do is use this as a space of prayer and meditation as this plays. And allow, the goal here is that we will take on divine imagination and that will be the vision with which we move through our lives in this world. Um, and so allow this song to sort of spark that divine imagination where we can go, look how far we've come and this is where we are. The kingdom of God is here. It's now, but it's also not yet. We can see what is, but we also are very aware of what could be and isn't. And, and allow this to, to speak to us to shape that we're willing to go through this process that involves waiting and involves tension. Um, and as we're still in the process on God at Sunday, um, a beautiful prayer that comes from our tradition. I think this prayer captures the celebration that good things have happened and good things are happening but also captures the tension that we still need some things to happen and we request those to happen. And so um, I want to invite, before we listen to this song, that we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer together. One waits and hopes, but the door is shut and can only be opened from the outside. Uh, this was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was uh, in a Nazi prison. He eventually was killed. Um, and I think this quote is very true. Um, waiting does something to you. And when you start in the darkness, when you're honest about some of the things that happen in the world in the midst of great joy, and when you are honest and you're willing to confront the absence that still seems to pervade different parts of our lives in the world, you're left with a certain powerlessness. So we have to admit on a human level that we don't control everything. We are dependent on some factors that are outside of us. And there's often very little that's completely within our control. And so there's a powerlessness when you understand the depths of the world and the complexity and ambiguity of things that happen in the midst of tragedy and yet in the midst of profound joy. The tension that we so often wrestle with. And when Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about waiting here, it's not a passive waiting. It's not, you know, I'm just going to sit here and ignore everything and apathy and I'm going to check out. It's an active waiting that says, I'm going to stare at that prison door. And even though I can't open it, I'm going to be in tune with it as much as I can so that I can be a person of freedom as soon as that door opens. He starts 
moving towards the thing that he desperately needs to happen. And that involves waiting. Again, it's this process that is slow and that is difficult. But sitting in that, that's what's going to take us towards our goal. See, I think of the good example of waiting. An idea, and then there's prints, and then uh, some stuff starts moving, and then the project starts. And then actions begin to happen, and then it starts to take form, and there's still the whole time waiting, and, and problems come up, and some annoying difficulties as well. But what happened for us was we started and we said, that's our vision, that's the destination, this is what this needs to look like before it ever happened. And as we went through the process, we began to realize that vision because we had it on our radar and we had it as part of the destination. You become what you long for. You move towards the things that you long for, the things that you put on your vision. See, as a human being, you're moving, and you can either move intentionally or unintentionally. You can either go in the right direction or you can drift. You're going to move, though. And can you set that destination for where you want to go? Those of you who have been through a pregnancy, there's waiting involved. But the moment you understand that that life is within you, you set a destination for what you want that life to look like and what you want your life to look like. And over time, you move towards it so that when it happens, you're already in tune with where you're going. Or I think of Israel and Egypt. They yearned for liberation. They yearned to be removed from slavery, but they had to wait. And there were factors outside of their control that they were dependent on. But when it happened, they were ready to go. They did well. There's two people in the Gospels who recognize Messiah at his birth. Simeon and Anna. And there's one common component that we're told about each person. That they had been waiting for the majority of their lives every single day for this to happen. Of course, they recognized Messiah because they were ready for it. They had already been made in tune with it. Our invitation is to allow ourselves to start moving towards the things we desperately need to happen. Two things to us. First, it disrupts us. When you are powerless, it deactivates all the things in your life. It removes all the things that you can just ignore what's happening with. And now all the thing, the only thing you can do is stare at that door. And, and then it begins to shape you. The second thing is that waiting orients us. Because when the only thing you can do is stare at the door, you will ensure that when it opens, you're not going to miss it paying attention. You've devoted your whole being to this thing that you need to happen. Of course, you're going to see it. Our invitation in Advent then is to wait well, is to sit in the tension and start moving towards the things that we need to happen. Understanding that it's not going to all happen like that. No matter how much you want to try, you're not going to end a pregnancy in one month by just wishing it that the baby would come out. No, you need that whole process to go or else it won't happen. You, you need to go through the process. And um, one of the things that I think is incredibly important in understanding this is that if we're going to wait with authenticity and intentionality, 
you're going to start becoming the person you need to become right now. You become a person in freedom while you're sitting in the cell, even though the door is still locked. And so I want us to begin to proclaim this vision that we have. Because if we ignore last week, darkness and absence, if you want to see the sunrise, and your answer to that is by going outside and lights on, you're, you're not going to notice the change in light when that sun comes over the horizon. But this week, if you want to see the sunrise and you refuse to look towards the east and wait through the night, you're going to miss it as well. Whoever you're wanting to become, the kind of world you want to create, it's not going to happen quickly. It's going to be a process. It's going to involve waiting. But if you set your intentions and you go through the process and you let it shape you now, that thing will become more real every single day until one day it is made full. And that's the hope of Advent. I also wanted to bring to our attention um, in, in this period of Advent and of waiting, um, you'll, you'll notice that we dismiss kids and there is a family that is usually here that is not here. And the reason that they're not here is because they are currently at Toledo Hospital with their two-year-old. And um, some of you know the Sen family, Phil and Haley Sen, and um, their, their son, Tyler. And, you know, we've, we've I remember two, two years ago about, you know, went up to Ann Arbor to baptize Tyler in the hospital because they just didn't know what was going to happen. And, and he's made it incredibly, and, and Phil and Haley have gone through so much with that. Um, but they have gone back to the hospital, and um, I'll, Steph, I'm just going to point to you if they want more details, because you know a lot more about specifically what's happening. Um, but they're, they're in a dark place, and, and you know, part of me just wants to, to say, like, if you sit here through Advent, and you're like, why do we have to darkness and waiting and all of that? It just cast that to the side because there's a brother who's not doing well. And there's a family that you know that's suffering. We should talk about these things. Um, but in, in, in a spirit of prayer, um, I do want to pray for Tyler and I want to pray for the sins. And I want to pray for you guys. That in response to not only this situation, but all of the various situations that are constantly happening from, from winter house fires that are still going on in our community um, to, to the amount of health crises that we have amongst our people, young and old, um, that we will take on a divine imagination for how we will respond with our prayers and our presence to these things. Um, so let's, however you're comfortable doing this, let's enter a spirit of prayer together. God, we're grateful for life and we are grateful that you meet us in the darkness. I'm grateful for a community that willingly goes to these spaces that hopes for the light so that we better move towards it. And as the Sen family experiences that darkness in one of the most terrible forms possible, may we be a community that shows the divine to them in that space be with Tyler, that young soul who has seen your beauty in more ways than many of us ever will. And be with Phil and Haley as they encounter the divine who dwells in the darkest places. Be with them as they move towards incarnation, as they move 
towards light and hope even in the midst of suffering. And may we be a community that knows how to hold that well. May we be a community that responds with not only our prayers, but our presence and our gifts and our service. May we be the kind of people who become the answer to prayers and we help move the world more towards fullness. Amen. Do you want me, am I allowed to be up here with you today? I think you could be up here with me, sure. What, uh, what do you, how do you want to do this? Um, Got anxious people waiting? Well, yeah, of course. Well, and you know, here at the farmhouse, it seems like you really have a unique and profound way of approaching Advent. But you know, Tyler, I haven't been doing this for very long, so I don't know a whole lot about it. So, you know, I thought I would ask our favorite Advent nerd, who probably knows more about Advent than anybody else you know. <laughs> is that the title, Advent nerd? Yes, that is your official title I'm this sure season. I'm sure there's a better... <laughs> Geek, maybe? That, <laughs> Perhaps some of us who are, who are good with words could come up with some other ones, you know, but yeah. <laughs> Chronically dark. <laughs> I'm going to face this way so I don't have to see <laughs> yeah. Noah. Well, look this way. Yeah, we don't have to look at Noah laughing. Okay, so, so make me giggle. So let's go. What, uh, All right. What do we have for, I have some things that I want to say, but I'll okay, good. give way to you. All right. I've spoken a lot this morning. Well, so I most, you, uh, you know, mostly I would say that um, I was in Joy and Fabric the other day and I was talking to a young man who was Japanese. <laughs> well, you know, they're the only fabric store around. And uh, if you're going to buy fabric anymore, unless you want to shop at Walmart, which I won't do, but we, we digress. Anyway, um, I was there and there was a young Japanese man cutting the fabric in the back and he was talking to me about what people do in Japan for Christmas. And you it occurs to me. KFC. Yeah, they, yes, exactly. That's exactly what they do. Did you all know that? A tradition yeah. in Japan is like eat KFC on Christmas? They, they do. And, and I asked him why he didn't know, but. It, it's true. Yeah. Well, the thing that occurred okay, to me is on. it's like, we're, <laughs> that's we're okay. <laughs> that's all right. The thing that occurred to me is it's like Christmas is something that's celebrated all over the world, even in countries that we might not consider to be Christian countries. And it just seems to me like it's almost become just one more entertaining story in this very sophisticated world. Hmm. And I'd like to know how, you know, how is this 2,000 year old story relevant then for us today? Okay. Um. Meister Eckhart would be a good place to start. Okay. Uh, what good is it if Jesus came 2,000 years ago, if Jesus doesn't continue to come today? Um, you had mentioned the importance, because this comes up, of why do we keep doing Advent? And there is something about like watching a movie again, even though you've already seen it, and you always pick up new things, mm -hmm. and you see it more clearly. I think that's important for Advent, especially as we talk about how this isn't finished, so if you just do Advent once and you're like, oh, I'm good. No, you have to keep doing the process again, almost like you're leveling up so that you can keep moving closer towards the destination. Um, I was informed. I don't know if this is appropriate to talk about. Might put me in bad water. But there was a Christmas parade last night at an undisclosed location of which there was uh, a happy birthday Jesus float. Is this true, oh, or am I hearing really? rumors? It is. It is known. Birthday, happy um, birthday. Jesus. So, and, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but the problem with Happy Birthday Jesus for December 25th, which I did this growing up, my grandmother would have us sing Happy Birthday to Jesus every Christmas family gathering. I always found it a bit like, what? 
what are we doing here? And, and uh, there's, I don't think there's, I've heard of this. There's, there's lots of things going on there, but the problem, the biggest problem I have with that is that makes Christmas something that occurred in the past. That it is an event that we remember by singing happy birthday, as opposed to Christmas being something that started and continues. And so if you're going to do the happy birthday Jesus thing, I'm fine with that. Just do it with the caveat that in, in celebrating that initial event, it's done so to inspire how you act and continue to move the incarnation forward in the present. So I think that's important. Okay. You know that I also have a bit of an issue with um, the great Christmas conflation that we have culturally. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this goes all the way back to the 1600s when the Puritans banned Christmas. Yeah. Okay, so you would think Puritans, very religious. Why did they ban Christmas? Because Christmas was not about incarnation at that point in history. It had, it had become something else. So here's, here's what I think needs to be said, is you have Christmas, and we try to celebrate two different things with the same word. Yeah. And there have been some Christians, like the Puritans, whose response to this was, we're just not going to do these Christmas festivities. I honor that. That's great. I think that they have also mixed two things that could be separated. Then you have the other side of Christians who go, no, Christmas is about Jesus being born, but I really like having a Christmas tree. I need to make these two things work. And so we, we try to like co-mingle all of these things. So you, you have Santa and you have Jesus, and it's like we need to find a way for them to work together. When really, I think the answer is just separate them. Let them be different. Because every culture throughout history has had some sort of winter festival. Our culture has the same thing. It's full of Christmas lights and reindeer and festive red and green wreaths. And Mm -hmm. great. Do that. Just know that it's different than incarnation. And you can still do them both. So like Vanessa and I, we have a Christmas tree. We have stockings. We, We do presents. I also don't think that that has anything to do with incarnation. And I'm okay with that. And, and now, part of that is like you can go, there's Christmas lights on the tree, and that reminds us of the light that Jesus brings. Cool. No, if you want to add value to those symbols, that's helpful. Um, but you have a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I celebrate Christmas. And, and you have Christians who then struggle with, but that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus being incarnated and Messiah but we really like these traditions, so what do we do? And I just say, separate them. And when we separate them, that makes Advent more meaningful. Because as soon as you start trying to do Advent seriously, you run into the problem of, am I allowed to listen to 101.5 The River? <laughs> and am I allowed to put my Christmas tree up? Mm-hmm. And can I do some of these Christmas uh, traditions with my family? Absolutely, because it's winter festival. And you can celebrate. They just happen to be at the same time. Right. Um, but then you can also take Advent seriously. And, and you can embrace the season um, that the church has honored for, for centuries for what it is. So um, I, think, I think that's something to consider as you, as you hear Advent, Christmas, Winter Festival, holiday season, all of these different things. Is let's, let's let them be separate. Let's okay. understand them as separate things mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. As, we move, as we move through it. 
Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that would be then why it's important to hit the Advent helps to separate the idea of what we celebrate as Christmas being the incarnation of Jesus being a separate thing from those winter festivals. It kind of sets them apart. Would you say that's the case? Because the winter festivals, I mean. I know, more, I know more about those than I right. <laughs> yeah. and, and certainly they're not. No, they're all definitely about light, about hoping, and even maybe if, it, if there's any darkness at all, it's more about resting. It's about uh -huh. reflection, well, but and, not necessarily this waiting tension where, that I seem that's to... That's where Advent is, is certainly different because it's not necessarily a celebration. Yeah. It's, it's a way to kind of shape your soul okay. to make celebration meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so on, on Christmas, like Christmas Eve, we'll, we'll experience this transition and we'll be able to go, this has happened and we'll celebrate the first Christmas. But there's also an impl implication that um, it's not just this one and done thing like the happy birthday. Okay. The, the tension that you experience in Advent allows you to go, and what are we going to do about this tension? And so that's why Advent is sometimes compared to a season of fasting. Because it's about preparing yourself for this thing to come. Okay. And, and if Christmas wasn't a one and done thing in the past, mm -hmm. then it's supposed to continue. And then you get into, well, how does it continue? And that's where if you take the, the church tradition and the biblical text seriously, you find out, oh, that's us. Okay. Um, yeah, so move on. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so there's that identity that uh, Christianity seems to have with waiting. And I think that's another thing that I find. With waiting? With waiting. And I guess you kind of talked about that because it seems like there's the sense of waiting for something to happen that hasn't come. And there's this good news that, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, why has it had been good news? It seems like it's so dark and, and scary. I remember when uh, I first started doing Advent stuff, um, I had people, the Christians, mostly of the evangelical tradition, um, who didn't really do anything with Advent. And they're like, come on, are you guys all trying to trick yourselves? Like, let's pretend for a few weeks that Jesus wasn't born, right? And everything's hopeless. And then all of a sudden, you wake up on Christmas, you're like, look at that. He actually <laughs> was born. Isn't that really great? Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, if, if it's all about like, try waiting to celebrate this thing, it's, we have to try to fake surprise ourselves that Jesus was born. And, and that's the thing with the bread. No, we're not pretending like I didn't put the bread in the oven. It happened, and you all saw it. What we're acknowledging is that the bread isn't done baking yet. Yeah. And, and we need to sit in the process to celebrate that it's started, but it's not finished. And what happens then on Christmas is instead of going like, oh, surprise, Jesus has been born, you're able to go, because Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm this thing is unfolding in the world and it's still happening and we get to be a part of it. Um, and then that, that's why Advent's always at the beginning of the church year because the rest of the church year is then trying to, to learn and study and grow so that you can continue to make what started incarnation possible and then you get to the end of the year and you start again because we still have room to go. Okay. Uh, the church calendar is a really beautiful uh, way to articulate the human journey. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and there's that sense you call this tension Sunday. Mm. Uh huh. Why is that a, a thing for us? It's, it seems like you say that's something we do here at the barn more so than is that a regular Advent thing or is that something that's more unique to what we're doing here today? I or? think the earliest writings on Advent posed this third week 
as a week where you begin to focus on what isn't finished. Okay. The anticipation of new creation. And anybody who's honest about that goes, has, has new creation, the fullness of the kingdom of God happen? No. Mm -hmm. And so you have to deal with this reality that something started, but it's not finished. And I think that's like true about any of us. Like, I want to be a certain kind of person. I'd like to say that I've made some progress there. And mm -hmm. I want to celebrate that. I also know that it's not finished. I have a lot of work to do. I'm, I'm still on this journey. Um, and, and so I think a lot of modern churches have made that into, I just don't think that people really do Advent well. You know, even, even a lot of the churches that I see that like um, are talking about their Advent series, it's really a Christmas series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can make a defense of that pretty well. And then I think some of them do. Um, but I think there's something about going like, listen, the Sen family's in the hospital right now. Shouldn't be that way. Yeah. That, that shouldn't happen. Some of you have experienced suffering and tragedy and loss. Shouldn't it be that way? That's not the picture we're given of new creation. And so what do we do with that? We're going to have to sit in the tension. Mm -hmm. And okay. I think nobody, nobody encountered this better than Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's his response to tension? What's his response to absence, darkness, things that aren't the way they're supposed to be? He, he gets dirty and he lays his hands on it and he says, let's do something about this. And, and then you know that this is still a thing because Jesus gets his, to the end of his life and says, you will do greater things than me. Go, you have things to do. And, and then empowers his people like you are the body now. And so even when Jesus ascends, he straight up says, this isn't finished. Ah, go on, you have work to do. And apparently that's an important part of the story. And, um, so I think what, when you sit in the tension of things, it does shape you to go, these are things we need to take care of. These are things that we need to see rightly okay. mm -hmm. so that we can change them. Um, the, the alternative is like a married couple who never fights. I'm skeptical. Because mm -hmm. the way that Vanessa and I have had our most growth as a couple is because we went, all right, so this is a problem. Here, let's put it here. Let's talk about it. Let's mm -hmm. look at all the different angles and let's figure this out. And now we're going to be different because of it. And if you don't do that, uh, it's, it's the black knight, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of like, no, my arms are fine. <laughs> no, they're off. Your arms are off. It's just a flesh. No, what are you doing? And, and, and people can smell that. I think a lot of churches are guilty of that. Yeah, okay. Is that thing still beeping at us? Um, it is, and it feels kind of warm, too, oh, sitting here. That's a, this is our new furnace for the barn? <laughs> yeah, really. It's nice the and other, toasty to sit here by this thing. The I'll other four weren't working? Just kidding. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, we've got them. Okay. Let's do a couple more questions. Maybe two Okay. More. Okay, a couple more. Um, you know, you talk about orienting yourself. Uh, if a, you know, how would you, what's the best way to find the right things to orient? I mean, it almost sounds like a sort of a New Year's resolution type of thing. And, I'm, and I want to know what would separate the way we're orienting ourselves to Advent. And like, how can we find that more profound thing in this than just being like, oh, my goal is going to be to be the better person. I mean, you could almost turn it into that. You know, it's. Okay. That's why. Starting with darkness and absence, I think, is important. Okay. Because you have to see what's wrong. You, it's almost like taking an inventory, right? Of going, 
what in your life in the world doesn't look like the kingdom of God? Um, what are the ways you desperately need Jesus to still come? And you have to go, you have to pay attention to those things. And then when you can name them, now you don't have to come up with a New Year's resolution. Uh-huh. It, it's what needs to happen for this to be different. Um, I, I'm not opposed to New Year's resolutions. I, I think they're great in theory. Obviously, very few of them ever work. Um, and maybe the reason that so few of them ever work is because they're not built on some sort of internal desperation that has to draw that into the future. Um, I think the best way to do it is to pay attention to the suffering right around you. Um, if your marriage isn't great, you shouldn't set a resolution to go like, I hope by the end of 2020, I have a happy marriage. You should go, I need to start having better conversations with my spouse. Mm-hmm. I, I need to start paying attention to the needs of my spouse. I, I need to talk to somebody about this. Um, and that's where embracing the tension actually helps you start moving towards the reality. And I don't know how many... So my family does this. We have... I'm not going to put that there. This is a, <laughs> Please don't. Um, my family... If you walk in our house, in the kitchen, there's this big blackboard. And once a quarter of the year, we'll sit down and we'll go, what's going on? What's going well? What do we want to think about? Um, what are the things that need to change? And we'll write those down. And, and we don't necessarily like stop every day and go like, Landon, how are you doing on staying in your bed? We'll talk about like, what's the importance to your body of sleeping well? And then we let it sit. And it's always fascinating to me by how the next time we do that, we'll always read what we wrote before. And it's like, by golly, that happened. That changed. That's different. Okay, now what? And, and so there's, I think there's something about setting your vision on the thing that needs to happen automatically now begins changing you into that kind of person. Um, and like you can think of somebody who has a substance issue and they, if they start by saying, um, I am trying not to drink, the chances of them still drinking are rather high. If they start by saying, I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. they've embraced an identity that exists in the future mm-hmm. and that actually starts pulling them towards it. So when Jesus says things like, be on guard, watch, be ready, for you don't know when this new creation is going to happen, there's, there's a process there of going, start now with where you want to end up. Uh, begin with the end in mind. It's what we do with gardening. It's what we do with cooking. It's, it's what we do with the majority of our life. Start with where you want this to end. And, and then what's your first step? What's the next right step? What's the next right step? And you just keep going through that process. I think that's a better way to interact with New Year's resolutions. And it's built right into Advent. Like this is how we're supposed to start the year every year in the church. Cool. I think that's pretty much it. Well, maybe one more thing. Uh, you talk a lot about Mary, and I think she's a very important part of the holiday, of course. And so, I mean, it, what lessons can we learn from Mary about Advent as, as far as the, the way she embodies The that? one that we usually pair with waiting and God at Sunday with Mary, um, which I'm excited about Christmas Eve because we're going to do some things with Mary's story that are cool. Um, Matt, nobody is going to turn around and look at you right now. We all just did. (laughs) 
If it was anybody but Matt, I wouldn't have said anything, but I enjoyed that. So take that, Matt. Um, the thing that's important about Mary today is recognizing uh, she says yes to this divine vision, right? Uh, you're going to have this child, and she says, she says yes to it, emphatically so, like straight up proclaims by quoting all of these psalms, yeah, this is this thing that's going to happen. Um, I often joke, and it's in my head because the song came on yesterday um, while we were at my mom's, of Mary, did you know? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Mary straight up knew. <laughs> Mary already knew. That's why she sang the Magnificat. Yes. <laughs> so, so she says she says yes to this. Okay. Um, and mm -hmm. and the pairing with that is the voice of the messenger that says, "Do not be afraid." And if you're going to say yes to some divine uh, uh, vision, this divine imagination, you want to go in this direction. You're going to need somebody to say, "Do not be afraid," because you should be afraid. Because interacting with the presence of the divine, interacting with this incarnated story is going to be difficult and it's going to be dangerous and it's going to be harrowing and it's going to cost you something and you're going to have to say no to lots of other things and you're embarking on a journey that's going to be hard. And so we can learn from Mary by, by going, we need to say yes emphatically as she did, but we also need to realize that we're embarking on something that's going to cost us something. And so do not be afraid. Allow that to speak to you as you go through the season. Um, I think the most important things for us now are to know what we're waiting for. And I think you need to go through that. Like, what are you waiting for? What does the world need? Um, and that should be, begin defining you now. Um, so I, I'd like to move into our meditation. Okay. Um, and um, I know some of you are like, hey, it's 11.05, I need to go, you're welcome to. Um, I would also say, we, you're not going to be here for another week, so if you're willing to sit through this, the ending of this week's thing, um, I do think this is the most important part, because we're actually going to practice Advent. We've talked about it, we're going to practice it. Um, so, uh, can we begin with Luke chapter 1, um, and try to, try to clear your mind, try to not be distracted, Okay, try not to allow yourself to be somewhere else right now. Just, just be here. Um, and um, this comes from Luke chapter 1, and it, it's a prophecy um, of Zechariah that happens in the Gospel of Luke. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so the presence of incarnation of Messiah is that this will happen for us. And so let's be guided into this way of peace. Uh, there's a man named St. Francis um, who offers us a prayer that's very popular. And um, what I love about this prayer is it allows the tension to exist of what is right now and what we hope to be. And so I want to start our meditation by reading this prayer and allowing that to communicate for us we still have work to do, but we're going to name this as the direction we want to go so that we start going there now. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, let us bring pardon. Where there is doubt, let us embody faith. Where there is despair, let us show hope. Where there is darkness, let us be light. 
where there is sadness, let there be joy. So we have all of these things of this is what is. Let there be this in the midst of that. But how will we get there? Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to consult, that we won't seek to be understood as to show understanding, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we experience pardon, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. If we want there to be those things, it will begin with us taking the steps and going through the process of becoming people such as those. So let's start with the world as it is. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good. We have not chosen peace. Take a moment to contemplate all the ways we have not brought the shalom, peace of God, to our lives, communities, and our world. And as we go through each of these, doing this will reveal what we're waiting for and what we need to begin. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good, we have not chosen love. Take a moment to contemplate all the ways we have not loved God, our neighbor, and even ourselves. All the ways we have not reflected the love of Christ in our presence, our voices, and our actions. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good, we have not chosen beauty. The garden of creation was the fullness of beauty. Take a moment to contemplate all the ways we have not pursued this pure, unadulterated beauty in our lives, our community, and our world. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good, we have not chosen joy. Take a moment to contemplate all the ways we have received this joy and yet not fully embodied it. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good, we have not chosen goodness moment to contemplate the lack of goodness that we experience, feel, and directly bring to our place. God of mercy, grace, and all that is good, we have not chosen hope. In Christmas, we hope for goodness, joy, beauty, love, and peace. We celebrate that this is where the story is going we begin by acknowledging how we have failed to act in accordance with it. Therefore, God of all creation, we confess that we have not chosen your world. We have not loved you with all of our being and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us for missing you in your way, forgetting you in your dream neglecting you in your world and not joining your kingdom here in this place through our wars through our violent crimes through our hateful speech through our discrimination and injustice through our division and 
being at each other's throats through our broken and bruised relationships, through our selfishness, through our lack of self-care, through all the ways we don't reflect the light, the kingdom, and the world of God. We have not chosen your ways and are in need of your liberation. We thank you that your grace and your kingdom are not limited to our ways, that your forgiveness is in our next breath, and that your light still overcomes even if we have not participated in it. In your light, may we now come. Heal us, forgive us, and through your advent in our world, make us like you. As a way to symbolically mark uh, wherever you are in the midst of this road trip, um, I'm going to invite us to uh, take a moment to go forth and light a candle. And every week that candle or that table begins dark. And through our interaction with Advent, hopefully we bring a little bit of light to it. And so as you today go and light a candle, may that be your way of naming what you're waiting for. And if you name it, remember, you will always move towards what you long for. And so express what you're longing for in your life and in the world so that it will become more real as we enter into this next year. So as you feel called, as you are able, go ahead and light a candle and then uh, please return to your seats and we'll sing a final song together.
as we continue the journey of Advent, we began in absence. In the hopes that the absence would reveal to us what needs changed, we then went into the darkness, that the darkness would provide the contrast to help us see the light. Today, we embrace the tension and the waiting of the process for which the world will be made new. And as this manger before us continues to be empty, I invite us as we end today and anticipate the next step in our journey next week, that we would invite the waiting upon us by singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So if you would please stand, let's proclaim these words together.